0: This is kind of one of the epiphanies I had when writing this book, right? As as a therapist, I was like, you know, it's unbelievable. We have individual therapy, we have couples therapy, we have family therapy. There's nothing for friendship therapy. And what that said to me is that there's no language out there for navigating conflict in these relationships. There's no blueprint about how to get into them, how to get out of them about what you know normal expectations and and boundaries should be in these
1: relationships there's nothing out there in the zeitgeist a dream can be anything whether yours is to start a business be in a healthy relationship pursue your dream career or to get right spiritually every week the dream check podcast brings you tips tricks and real life insight from people who are living their dreams to the fullest I'm Nicole Ivanoff, an established international wedding photographer and wife. Like you, I have so many dreams, some of which I've lived out and others I'm still pursuing daily. I'm a girl from suburban Detroit who's made her way out to LA, and although I'm no guru, I have a heart to show you that if I or anyone who comes on this podcast can do it, so can you. Welcome to the show. Time to check in. What's up, friends, and welcome back to the Dream Check Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Ivanoff. If you have never listened to this podcast before, first of all, welcome to the show. And second of all, you picked such a great episode to start listening because today we have Aaron Falconer on the show. She is the author of the book, How to Break Up with Your Friends, which just that title right there, I'm already sold. Not only is she an author, but she's a digital entrepreneur and the editor-in-chief and co-owner of Pick the Brain, which is one of the most trusted self-improvement communities online. And she has a master's degree in psychology, which I think is so cool. So today we really dive into her book, How to Break Up with Your Friends. Erin's going to share principles, assessments, and practices for nurturing our friendships. Not only that, but how we can detox ourselves from friendships that no longer serve us. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but there's never been a topic that I'm more excited to talk about than this one right here. I feel like we so often talk about romantic breakups and how how we can nourish romantic relationships, but we don't often talk about how to handle our friendships, which are arguably one of the most important relationships that we can have as individuals. And so I am so excited for this conversation and for you guys to hear it. I hope you love it let's welcome Erin to the show. All right, welcome to the show, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk on these topics. I know I did a brief little intro on you, but do you want to share a little background on who you are and what inspired the book How to Break Up with Your Friends?
0: Yeah, sure. So I uh, am a couple of things. I'm an author, uh, a psychotherapist. I am kind of a digital entrepreneur. I used to be very, very rooted in that world. Now I do more writing and and psychotherapy. I am Canadian, living in Los Angeles. Uh, I always like to lead with that. And this book, How to Break Up with Your Friends, is the follow-up, in a sense, to my first book, which is called How to Get Shit Done, Why Women Need to Stop Doing Everything So They Can Achieve Anything. Mm -hmm. And that book was really rooted in the female productivity, female empowerment space. And as I looked to see what a follow-up could be, I actually went down many rabbit holes that turned out to be dead ends, and I was getting pretty frustrated. I either felt like the topics were a retread, or they just weren't compelling enough. And I woke up one morning at like 6 a.m., half asleep, and this Phrase, how to break up with your friends, was just in my head. And I was like, what? And kind of tried to go back to sleep, couldn't really. And for the next couple of days, this idea just kept resurfacing and resurfacing to the point of great annoyance. And (laughs) I finally stopped and was like, What is this? What is this about? And I so I started to look at my own friendships. And when I did so, I was really surprised because if you'd asked me before, I would have said, like, oh yeah, I'm a great friend. I've got great friendships, you know, whatever. And then when I started to look at my real kind of core group, I realized I had a lot of built up kind of frustrations and resentments in some of the relationships. And then in other relationships, I felt like I missed the person, even though we were still in a relationship. And when I did a deeper dive, I was really, I kind of had this epiphany. Like we have this untapped kind of source of energy and support These relationships, these friendships, that we just kind of dial in. And we're a culture that is obsessed with information, right? Mm -hmm. We know every calorie we consume, every gram of protein or fiber or fat. We wear watches that track every single step we take. You know, Marie Kondo taught us to like look at our space and hold up a chair and be say, like, does this bring me joy? Does this sweater bring me joy? (laughs) And yet the people In our lives like the people the most important we i had no eyes on i really had no kind of inventory i really didn't give the relationships at all any sort of thought and i was like that is really Strange, mm-hmm. why you know why aren't we doing that? And it was in that that I thought, even though it's a non-linear connection to productivity, I was like, wow, what an untapped resource! And if we could tap into this and be intentional in these relationships, how much more energy, how much more motivation, how much you know more joy, mm-hmm. and that you can bring into the rest of your life. And I think coming out of this crazy pandemic you know, where we've literally forced to, been, to be isolated and away from one another, I think now it is more important than ever. In fact, I wrote, I sold this book, this title, uh, February 23rd, 2020. Oh, wow. Which was three weeks before mm-hmm. we went into quarantine, at least here in Los Angeles. I thought it was an important topic then, obviously enough to, to start to want to write a book about it. I had no idea how important mm-hmm. the topic of friendship would become when all of a sudden these friends were just ripped out of our lives overnight, yeah. you know, in, a, in the conventional sense. And so we were kind of forced to have a reckoning. But now as we reemerge back and decided, it, it's like, well, what do you do with the information that you have? How do you work that into your daily life and not just go back to, you know, things as normal, that
1: kind of thing. It's so, I have so many questions, even on like a personal level, like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like I have so many questions I want to ask you. And it's funny because, you know, and I, we mentioned this before we started recording, but. Friendships are arguably one of the most, if not the most important relationships we have. And so often we dive so deep into like romantic relationships, but really our friend group is, is what is the driving force and kind of who we are and who we become. Right. Right, um I just think it's so cool that you that we have this resource, and I I know that the listeners are going to be so excited about this book. I want to ask you a question that I didn't prep you with, but a question that I ask—it's the first question I ask every guest, which is, "What is a dream that you have right now?"
0: Well, I moved down to Los Angeles a a long time ago, uh, and I talk a lot about this in my first book, but about I think it's like seventeen years ago now, and I had a very clear goal that I wanted to be a screenwriter. And I came down here with no plan and no no real understanding of what it took, what it would take to actually make that dream come true. I just had the dream. And you know what? The truth is that just having the dream is not enough. You have to put a plan in place. You have to put things that you can take action against. Mm-hmm. And so even though all these years later, now I'm a writer and I absolutely, you know, I love, love, what I do writing these books, I still have this dream of, you know, writing a movie or a TV show and and having it made. Uh, I've written plenty of of, of screenplays that have been optioned and, you know, but nothing's ever been made. And so I would love to get back to if, you know, yeah, that's certainly a career dream is to to, to write, you know, a, a
1: screenplay and have it. You see it on the big screen or on the small screen I guess at this point I love nobody that. goes to the movies anymore yeah. Hey, my husband and I love going to the movies oh good you're old school yes very old school <laughs> I love that dream and uh, I'll be believing for that for you for sure oh thank you Okay. Thank you. Let's dive in. I so I got your book and I didn't want to read too much because I wanted to like naturally react to your responses cuz I think that's super important when um you know doing these episodes. But let's dive in. What are I'm so curious. What are the six pillars of friendship?
0: I think what you really want to do is you what you want to look for and what is just absolutely imperative is number 1 that there is honesty you have to feel a sense of trust you have to feel a sense of safety in these relationships you need to commit to them so often when i was back working in in the internet world you know i'd make set up plans and i'd get you know drink plans or dinner plans and as the the end of the day drew near when i would get a text from a friend saying oh sorry i can't make it tonight my reaction would be like yes yes Yes, like you know what I mean? <laughs> so that real. kind of thing. And that is not good, right? Like we have to switch, you know, the way we think about it because so often like friends are the first thing to come off the list when we're busy, right? Mm-hmm. That and that's like kind of the natural way of doing things. But and it feels counterintuitive, but taking the time committing to say, I'm going to see this person in a real way, in a non-distracted way where you're not like in a loud restaurant, like scrolling your phone with five other people, right. Mm -hmm. But really finding moments of connection, this is the thing you actually want to double down on. Right. And it's so easy to like, not commit to these friendships and just say like, I'm too busy. And I was like the most guilty of this. Right. So there's the idea of that, of just really committing and stopping, you know, when you're doing this audit around the people in your world and, in the people that you feel really warmly to and like that, the relationships are really great and they do support where you are and you support where the other person's at really taking the time to even just say to yourself, I'm committing to this relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, in marriage, we have like, you know, recommitment ceremonies. And I'm certainly not suggesting you do that with a friend, but mentally Mm -hmm. saying, yes, this is somebody that's important and value valuable. I want to commit to this relationship. You need to bring a level of positivity all in all, net net you want to bring positivity and lead with positivity that doesn't mean that you can't talk shit that doesn't mean that you you know you're you're always arriving with happy smiles you want to be Mm -hmm. real right but you don't want to so often especially when life gets hard we we lead with what's negative it's complaint driven it's we're talking shit about another one of our friends Mm -hmm. and it starts to go down and really kind of a negative, like, it puts you in a negative frame of mind without you even realizing it. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be a base level of positivity in, in, in a relationship. Vulnerability, absolutely key. That's also something that I struggled with. You need to be able to show different parts of yourself. And that goes, that's why the idea of, of um, honesty and trust is so important, because you need the you need the kind of environment where you can show vulnerability and that's difficult for people. Um, some people, uh, this is me for example, and you really need to understand, you know, you need to have a deep understanding of self Mm -hmm when you're in relationship with the other, as I kind of said at the beginning, so that you understand what your role and your responsibility is. It's not just about the other. This is relational. So how do you show up in a relationship? So doing that work to to have that self-understanding, very important.
1: I'm so intrigued by when you had said, it's so easy. Like, And this happens to me all the time. I lead like a very busy work life and then I'm newly married. So like if I have free time, I want to spend it with my husband. And that's no offense to my friends. I love my friends and my friends tend to be very similar, also very busy, very driven. So when I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry, I'm exhausted. Like I want to spend time with Nico tonight. Can we reschedule? And they're always like, oh my gosh, no worries, same. And like, I know in their head, they're probably happy about the cancellation (laughs) and vice versa. Like when my friends are like, I'm so sorry, can we reschedule secretly? I'm like, I love you, but I'm so happy. I just want to do nothing tonight. And when you think about it, like- like let's say someone you're dating like if they're constantly canceling and you're constantly canceling and rescheduling like that would pose for a problem and so we don't right. look at friendships the same and so I find it so interesting and and I know for me I can be better about it because when I actually do show up with my friends and they show up with me I have such a good time and it's so fulfilling and rewarding
0: right yeah. So a couple of things that you said, it's so funny that you mentioned that thing about the canceling. Cause I was being interviewed a couple of weeks ago by Maria Menounos who uh, has a show called better together. And she was like, okay, Aaron, Aaron, I've got a question for you. She's like, I have this good friend. We've been friends forever. And literally for the last two years, like we've made plans <laughs> like very detailed, very specific, like chosen the place and the time. And both very excited about it. And literally the last 10 times in a row, the night before the morning of, I get a text can- canceling. Mm-hmm. And she holds up the phone. She's like, look, look, I'm not exaggerating. She so was like, I scrolled through. She was not exaggerating. And I said, she goes, so what do I do with this friend? And I said, well, Maria, I've got news for you. You're not in a friendship with this mm-hmm. person. You're in some kind of weird relationship. Mm-hmm. But you this person is not committing to the relationship. Yeah. I said, let me, let me ask, put it another way. If you were dating this person mm-hmm. and they canceled 10 times, she was ten. I wouldn't get two times in a row. They exactly. exactly. So this is kind of one of the epiphanies I had when writing this book, right? As, as a therapist, I was like, you know, it's unbelievable. We have individual therapy. We have couples therapy. We have family therapy. There's nothing for friendship therapy. And what that said to me is that there's no language out there for navigating conflict in these relationships. Mm-hmm. There's no blueprint about how to get into them, how to get out of them, about what you know normal expectations and, and boundaries should be in these relationships. There's nothing out there in the zeitgeist, right? Like, I'm not saying that one needs to go see a therapist with her friend. Mm-hmm. But what I am saying is that there are just some commonly held expectations that you don't even need to talk about. Like, for example, if somebody cancels on mm-hmm. you in 10 times in dating, nobody needs to talk about that. Mm-hmm. This is obvious yeah. that this is a problem, <laughs> right? Or it should be. I Hopefully it is. Yes. And yet with friendship, we just kind of let things happen. We let the relationship happen to us. It's the only kind of category of relationships that we kind of think are nice to have and they should just give, give, give. But of course, no relationship worth its salt is just nice to have. They take work. Mm-hmm. There is friction. You are not always going to see eye to eye with somebody, not if you're a person that is interested in growing themselves, experimenting with getting out of your own comfort levels. You're going to bump up against um, or rub up against mm-hmm. conflict with people that you're really engaged with, that you're really in, in kind of actively living with. Mm-hmm. I don't mean physically, but you know, totally. you're engaged Doing in a relationship. Doing life with, exactly. And so often, really good friends, not all of them, but at least probably a couple of everybody's really good friends have seen you from a very young age, Mm -hmm. right? They've seen you in like grow as a person. They've seen you evolve much more so than a romantic partner is ever going to, right? And Mm -hmm. just from a time perspective, they've, you know, so they're really important relationships, And there's no way you can go through 20 years with somebody Mm -hmm. and not have conflict. So that means you're either not aware of that conflict or you are, and you've just pushed it down and decided not to deal with it. But either way, there's a better way to do that, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's one of the things with this book is that it's about starting kind of conversations and expectations about what one should and should not tolerate within these relationships. And then when you do get into like conflict, how to navigate that, the how to navigate those, those conflicts. Literally, I have scripts in there, starting conversations because the starting is always the hardest of mm-hmm. like, this is how I, you know, I want to communicate something to you. Totally. Here it is t- type of thing. And so, that's what I would say on that. And the other thing that you said, uh, congratulations, by the way, on just getting married. Thank you. And so this, that in your life, this is a very specific time. You are mm-hmm. just married. This is obviously, hopefully you want to spend every second mm-hmm. with, <laughs> with your husband. Um, but in, in marriages that are not like in the honeymoon phase, we have become a, a society that is obsessed with these, our partners being everything to us, mm-hmm. right? Like, do you know all of the coworkers, You know, you not, not only do you talk about your workouts, you might be working out together. You understand, like, very enmeshed as opposed to, like, relationships, you know, 30 to 40 years ago. I don't know if you know the psychotherapist, Esther Perel,
1: that
0: she is unbelievable. Um, and she is, uh, she focuses on couples therapy, and she's kind of iconic in the therapy world. She has an amazing uh, podcast called Where Should We Begin?, mm. And she focuses a lot on couples, but recently, you know, in the last, or maybe it hasn't been that, I've at least picked up on it recently, that she has spent a lot of time talking about the importance of friendships to couples. Because there's so much pressure nowadays in today's couples, I said, where everybody The partner is everything, needs to be everything and Mm -hmm. vice versa. That's nobody can be your everything, right? Mm -hmm. Not if you're a dynamic person. And that puts an unnecessary expectation and pressure on the relationship that if you can exist with a kind of dynamic friend group, those people can fulfill different things in you so Mm -hmm. that you don't come back to the romantic partnership expecting or demanding For them to be everything, and vice versa, you don't want to be somebody's absolute everything. That's exhausting and also impossible. Totally, and that's why there's so much frustration and friction. And of course, just coming out of two years of working from home, basically, Mm -hmm. at least you know that's been my situation with my husband. It's like God, you, I, we need some separation, and I need to, you know. (laughs) So friendships, even for your romantic partnerships, are very important.
1: I agree. I think it's nice um, to have those friends who, you know, know where you stand, know your beliefs, know your values, and someone you can go to, let's say, for example, like I have a friend who her personality type is very similar to my husband's. And so if my husband and I are having a conflict, I'll sometimes go to her and say, hey, how would you respond to this? Like, what's the best way for me to go to my husband with this instead of going to him, just like, you know, fully uh, emotional. And she can tell me, hey, I think you should proceed this way. Or actually, hey, you're wrong on this. Like a friend who challenges right. you. And what, right. what are your thoughts on, because I know that I, recently my friendships have, I feel like been, feel like better taken care of since we've mm-hmm. realized each other's love languages. So I have a friend, right. her, her love language is quality time. It's not mine at all. But I have to be sensitive to the fact that she feels most loved by me and in our friendship when we spend quality time together. And so even though I don't need that, I know she does. And so in order for that relationship to flourish, like I have to give her quality time.
0: Absolutely. There's a part in the book. um, I think it's an entire chapter, actually about friendship types Mm. and and so there are a whole a whole slew of different categories so there's like the fixer that's what I am the nurturer the creative friend um the fun friend your kind of the nostalgic friend somebody that you've known for you know a long time Mm -hmm. um and then the toxic friend (laughs) and knowing that number one, how you show up in relationship mm-hmm. is in, is really important. Like I'm somebody that my friends come to me if they have like, if there's a problem, if there's, um, you know, they have a big job interview and they want to workshop like, okay, what, you know, what mm-hmm. do you think about this? How, what about this angle? Da, 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 da. If they want to make a career change or they're, you know, that's, I, they kind of come to me for that. But ideally what you want to have when you're looking at your friend group is And not to be so calculated about it. Just kind of a general awareness. Is everybody in my world the same? Or is there a little diversity? Mm -hmm. Is the group dynamic? Is there somebody? Like I know for me, I'm kind of an introvert. So I have a couple of friends that are really fun and energetic. And they like... They always are doing something. They're always trying to pull me out. And as long as I have a clear boundary around that, these people, these friends are really good for me because otherwise I would just be like, no, I'm good, I'm staying home. Just kind of like the phase that yeah. you're in right now. That's 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 how I am always. <laughs> Where I'm just like, no, I'm good, I'm staying home. And so it's so necessary for me to have a couple of friends that really pull a different side out of me mm-hmm. and really challenge me to be like, Hey, get out of your you know comfort zone. Come on, let's go live a little. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so good. Right. And so number one, you want to understand how you're showing up in the different ways other people are showing up. But one of the kind of understandings or, or findings I had is that while I'm showing up or I showed up as this person that's kind of a problem solver or an advice giver, a solicited advice giver. I don't give unsolicited (laughs) advice. Um, What that meant when I looked at my friendships, when I started this whole process, is that I really was showing no vulnerability. And I kind of thought that, it would ruin my friendship cred, right? Like if I showed up and was like scared of something or upset by something. And so I really never allowed any of my, friends, my friendships to see that side of me. And so I've been really actively working on like, okay, you can still be leading with, you know, the confident, I've got answers type of behavior, but that's not a fully formed person. And if you're not showing a fully formed, you know, person that means you're only showing up partially in those relationships Mm -hmm. so it's important to look at your own kind of how you show up and then say how can i open the aperture a little how can i be a little more dynamic Mm -hmm. how can i show a little more um not just for the other person but for yourself right that's friendships really have the impact um i mean they're great for a million reasons but what they can do for your own self about revealing Mm -hmm. different parts of your own self and your own character, just on a personal growth level
1: is huge. Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of ties into that quote, like, be the friend you want to have. And I love relating this to dating, because we talk a lot about, you know, dating and healthy relationships on this podcast. And I think that, sometimes if you're having a dating relationships that are constantly not working out, maybe you're the common denominator. Like maybe there's right. something you need to work on. And so I think it goes the same for friendships. Like if you're constantly having failed friendships, like maybe you need to look inward and maybe are you a good friend? Like what characteristics and qualities are you bringing to the table and do no. that work before you go out and bring people into your circle and expect so much from them when you're not willing to reciprocate that
0: right absolutely it's it's so easy to label somebody else as as toxic Mm -hmm. right or you know and that's i get this all the time where somebody will come in to my office and say oh you know she's so toxic or he's so toxic and for me the the fact of the matter is is that the, it's the relationship that's toxic, right? Mm-hmm. And we all have to understand our own role in it. These things are relational, and so often, if somebody else is categorized a toxic, the other person is toxic. That person has other relationships that work very well. Mm-hmm. It's just there's something about the dynamic. That is not working. That's not to say that the other person is not behaving badly, but what in you has allowed it to continue. Mm -hmm. That's very important information. That's not quite what you were saying. I don't think at the beginning you were saying, maybe it's not the other person. It's me. That is also very Mm -hmm. true. It's like, it's so easy to just push responsibility off onto something else. And that's the passive position, right? That's not rooted in power. When you take responsibility, when you can look at yourself and say, How am I showing up? Maybe I'm the one that's activating all of these things as opposed to just, you know, you know, shirking responsibility. Mm -hmm. Even if you are in the end, the one that might be coming up short, you're still rooted in the power position because you're choosing to take responsibility. Yeah. Right. You're choosing to be active as opposed to passive and letting things happen to you. So it's really important to as I said, right at the beginning, the starting point and the end point is you.
1: Mm -hmm. You need
0: to look at how you're showing up and then assess what relationally is happening, even if you're not the one, you know, quote unquote, behaving badly. Um, There's something I had. I tell this story in the book, but I had uh, a friend, I think at one point or another, we all kind of might have a friend like this, but I had a friend that was like, the absolute life of the party, big fun. But also she always found her, she was always finding herself in like crisis. Mm-hmm. Like I'd get calls like, I've been kicked out of my apartment. My electricity has been cut off. My dog got hit by a car. There was always like some mm-hmm. big, you know, statistically very disproportionate, right? <laughs> so, and and it, she would call me time and time again and it was always like it always felt like it was like late at night and I'd be like okay how are we gonna fix this mm-hmm. you know okay this is we need to do this and then then we'll do this and, do and I would be exhausted and then the next day I would call her and be like oh my god how are you feeling and it would be like for her as though nothing had happened oh good why what's up and
1: meanwhile i had been like oh gosh that gives me anxiety <laughs> oh my God, totally.
0: And so this, obviously, as you can see, is was not sustainable and things kept getting bigger and bigger. And we ended up, I just cut her off very abruptly. I was just like, you know, she just crossed a line. It's yeah. just this is insane. I'm out of here. And at the time, you know, of course I just dismissed her. She's so toxic. She's so crazy. And the truth is she was behaving very badly. Mm-hmm. But I wish, you know, this was 10 years ago. I wish at the time I had had the idea to look at myself, right? Mm -hmm. What in me needed to keep this going? She wasn't calling anybody else. Mm -hmm. She was calling me, right? And so what needed in me needed to be validated by this person. It was almost like a God complex, Mm -hmm. right? Like I had this incredible ego, like I'm saving her, I'm saving her. And so I don't know what was going on for me at that time because again, this was 10 years ago, but what an incredible... Learning situation or a teachable moment if I could have just stopped and been like, what is this fulfilling in you? Because Mm -hmm. you are allowing this to continue. She might be behaving badly, but I'm very active in this, allowing it to continue. As I said, she wasn't calling anybody else.
1: Yeah. She was calling me. I think it's so interesting because actually, Christine Chang, we talked about this on her episode where she said, you know, we train people how to treat us, like what we tolerate is training yes. them how to treat us. And I was in a very similar friendship a couple of years ago where um, same thing, like calling me, hey, I, I'm late on my, on my house or my rent or I need help. Can you actually, like my parents are coming into town, can you go pick them up from the airport? Like I can't do right. it. Like just obnoxious like tasks right. that... Well, he, right. That person was only calling me and asking. And I, my friendship type, I think, is very nurturing and like f- a fixer. Right. And I just want right. to help. So for me, if I'm being helpful, that's my love language. Right. That's how I give love. Right. That's how I receive love. But it got to the right. point where I'm like, okay, wait, I'm being taken advantage of at this point, I think. Right. And that relationship right. also had to abruptly end because it was so one-sided mm-hmm. that I felt right. like I'm only here in this relationship because you need me so much and I'm showing up every time. And it becomes toxic. Right.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. I had a friend of mine, we had, we had a mutual friend, there are three of us, and my, so my friend works um, in a very like kind of stressful, serious job, and our mutual friend does not, she has a very unconventional kind of career, I'm not, and so she's not in an office, let's put it that way. She's, mm-hmm. she's not like going, you know, it's there, there's no nine to five in her world, so... My friend called me and she was venting and she said, Oh my God, I cannot believe so-and-so. She calls me every day without fail at like 11 in the morning, like 11 in the morning. What does she think I'm doing? I'm in the middle of meetings. I I know she doesn't understand because she's just sitting there doing blah, 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 but it's so ridiculous. And I said, well, do you answer? And she goes, yeah. And I tell her I can't talk. And I go, but you answer Mm -hmm. every time she calls. I go, she goes, yeah, I go, stop answering. Mm -hmm. Take her calls at six o'clock. Take her calls when it's convenient for you or you call her, but stop answering when she's calling at 11. You're telling her Mm -hmm. regardless of what you're saying, your behavior is suggesting it's fine that she calls. Mm -hmm. And is it rude or irritating? I guess so. But just trust me, just don't pick up the call three times in a row Mm -hmm. and she'll find a different time to call you. Like if you don't want to have a a conversation with her about it, which of course is the best, just stop answering it at 11 o'clock in the morning. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we do teach people how to treat us Mm -hmm. through our behavior. Right. And so, I never take a call at 11 o'clock in my, if I'm in an office, I'm not taking calls from anybody Mm -hmm. unless it's like my son's school. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So like, yeah, we have to watch our own behavior. It's so easy to be irritated or whatever about somebody else, but how are we participating? Mm -hmm. How could we do it
1: better? In life in general, it's easier to place blame and look at others. And it's way harder to look inward because when we look inward, that requires work and change that it's, it's, Easier to be where we are than to have to make any change. So right. oftentimes, it's the responsibility piece. Exactly. And oftentimes, I think we just leave friendships because we don't want to have to face ourselves. So it's just right. easier to cut ties. Speaking of that, I want to segue into I briefly skimmed the um, topic of rupture and repair. And I found this, I mean, the whole like concept of it amazing, but how dangerous is it to let the in a friendship to let problems or small offenses go unsaid without addressing them. And, and again, like I just compare everything to dating where it's like, if you're married or you're in a a committed relationship and you're letting all these tiny offenses build up, it's going to blow up at some point. And I think same to go with friendships.
0: Yes, absolutely. So look, here's the thing. Like you don't want to get to the point where every feeling you have, you're necessarily expressing because then the relationship can become a bit of a drag right Mm -hmm. so you have to really assess like what is something that's like a boundary cross that's disrespectful or that's just you know something can be irritating and that's not necessarily enough because sometimes that might be just part of the person's personality Mm -hmm. right and so you do have to really look at like for me like and I talk about you know, for me, like something that I just can't stand is when people are late, I have very little time. And so, you know, you need to look at where you are and what are your own boundaries. Mm -hmm. Right. And then if they are being crossed, you need to like, you need to advocate for yourself. You need to pay respect to the relationship and understand that it's strong enough for you to be able to voice what is irritating you or what is, um, hurting you. Mm -hmm. And if it isn't, if there's like a wild and crazy reaction from the other person, right? Number one, that has way more to do with them than it does to you. So Mm -hmm. know that, um, but then the relationship doesn't have the strength that it needs. Mm -hmm. Right. So, The idea of rupture and repairs is kind of what we spoke about a little bit. It's just this idea of conflict. And in therapy, there is this term rupture and repair where it is actually a good thing if the client or patient, if they get irritated. Look, therapists are are obviously human, make mistakes. We don't all have the answers. And so we're liable to drop the ball, Mm -hmm. upset, disappoint. And when the client or patient feels that they can voice that and get mad and say you were rude or whatever, you know, whatever their problem is, and And then you can work that out, come together, have a deeper understanding and get on the other side of that. The relationship is just that much richer. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is not to run from conflict, not to run from your feelings of disappointment or upset or frustration, because on the other side of working through that is so much richness and strength, Mm -hmm. right? What you want to really look at is, is the other person, are they going through something that is really not great in their life and so therefore they are showing up because maybe they're they're going through grief or there's a breakup or they've been fired or whatever. It's important to 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 single out is it a life event for the other person and that's why they're acting a, a way that doesn't work with you or is it habitual? Mm-hmm. Is it like bad habits? Is it repeated? It because those are the things you really want to address. If somebody is going through something bad in their life, then you as a friend who's committed to that relationship are going to have to tolerate a little bit mm-hmm. of, you know, the other person not being perfect and not showing up necessarily their best self. Yeah. You don't want to let that go too long, but you do have to have, you know, some sort of kind of grace because people are people and there is life brings ups and downs no matter who you are. Totally. So you want to make sure that it, it's not, it's not like a life circumstance that is... That is contributing to this, but it's more just like a pattern of habitual Mm -hmm. yes, exactly
1: um yeah what are your thoughts I'm just like just this came to my mind but you know before I got married my husband and I did premarital counseling so it kind of set the table like we talked a lot about our expectations from each other once we're married once we move in together something like as silly as I'm I expect you to do the laundry or do the dishes or take out the trash like thing like little things like that so now when When I'm cooking and he knows, like, okay, well, we had communicated this. I'm expected to to do the dishes because she cooks. So, like, there's no arguments about it because there's expectations that are set. And so I think it would be really cool to do, like, you know, if you have a good friend and you see a future with this friend, I think it would be cool to do, like, not pre, but like pre committed friendship not like counseling but almost like you set the table for expectations like hey yeah I expect if I offend you please tell me like I want to know like just setting right. the table of like what you expect from each other that way you kind of are avoiding you know future small offenses
0: right absolutely I mean I do quite a few friendship workshops with oh that's my awesome partner. yeah my partner in that Yetta Miller and that's some of the stuff we do and, and just being really, really communicating about expectations, uh, being communicate, communicating about communicating mm-hmm. about like just what you said. Like I would much rather you get mad than not say anything, Totally. You know? um, I would much rather you tell me you're going through the shit and ask for my help than try and put up a strong front. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to. It's an honor to help you. In, in, you know, in, the, in these in the, that in that kind of circumstance,
1: is the workshop for friends on the rocks or like friends that are in a good uh, place? The, well,
0: so I, I uh, with my partner Yatimiller, we actually do friendship therapy. So friends that have been friends for a while, they've had some kind of Fallout, mm-hmm. Um, and they want to kind of, you know, work through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the workshops are more, um, about communication and just, and just, so there's not necessarily like a problem, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, there can be a problem, but it's more like, I want, let's just get clear and let's have open dialogue. And it, it's kind of like a way of like recommitting to the friendship to just be like, you know, let's ask ourselves some, some tough questions. Let's, I actually have in the book in chapter, um, I think it's chapter eight. It's a friendship quiz. Actually, it's funny because I wrote, I was almost finished with the book and I realized I hadn't included my absolute best friend anywhere in the book and that's because our relationship is pretty good right like well it's very good actually not pretty good and then I was like that's insane like I'm writing an entire book about friends and I didn't think of my own best friend and so I came up with this questionnaire there's like 10 or 12 questions to ask with a friend it's a really amazing exercise so I had my friend Sophie come over and I said okay look we're let's do this questionnaire together and Mm -hmm. it was like unbelievable we like found out different things. Like there's questions like, when was the last time I did something that irritated you that you didn't say anything about? I love that. Yeah. And then I, and then the next question is why didn't you say anything? And like, so we have a very good relationship, but all of a sudden here we are talking about Mm -hmm. these things that like, we just kind of pushed down and, it was like nerve wracking and kind of exciting at the end of it where it was like, I was like, I'm so happy we did that. And so that's like also part of the workshop experience where you're kind of communicating on a deeper level and like kind of just getting rid of the fear of saying how you feel right. Mm -hmm. Like, and it doesn't have to be necessarily like all bad also. Like, I talk a lot about the idea of really calling out when you appreciate somebody and you appreciate something, you know, what a friend has done for you and really calling that out too, because we also don't do a lot of that, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, it's just about really opening up the dialogue and getting some of these things, working them out so that they don't become so difficult to do when in fact you found yourself in conflict. It's just like, self advocating, I have a problem with this, I'm going to say it. And I have faith that the relationship can hold it.
1: Yeah, you know, I love that. So I want to go into the burning question of how to break up with your friends. And I know there's probably like, obviously so much tied into that in different ways. And, you know, even in my personal life, I had two friendship breakups right after my wedding. And So difficult. Always
0: happens after life, big life phases. Yes.
1: And, and one, there was kind of a falling out. It was very abrupt. And the other was kind of like a ghosting situation after four years of living together and traveling the world together and all these things. And I would go on record to say that those friendships hurt more to this day, almost two years than any romantic breakup i'd ever gone through in my life and it's been two years and i'm still uh, to be super transparent like still healing from it like it's on my mind daily and i and it's hard to even admit that but it's because there was no real closure one a ghosting one like a abrupt like fallout and yeah because i think that's why i i'm so excited to like fully read this book because I, I think ghosting and just like never talking again is so common because there is really it's not talked about. Like how do you like do you grab coffee and like be like, hey, I don't want to be your friend anymore. It's just so interesting to me.
0: Yeah. So I'm just going to tell you this article and then I'm going to answer that question because this is a really great article and i think you particularly will like it just based on your experience so it's it's from the atlantic and the writer is jen uh jennifer senior and it's the title of the article it's your friends who break your heart Mm. and it's all about friendship breakup and how difficult it is and how painful it is because often there's so many unresolved feelings often uh one person is not at the same place that the other person is. When the then the, you know you may have a hint um, that something's going on, but it's usually one person that does the breaking up. That unlike a romantic relationship, where most of the time it's pretty clear when it's not working and mm-hmm. one person has to call it, uh, there's you know, it's not always as, as as obvious in friendship. Like one because we don't say what we're feeling right. a lot of the time, so <laughs> one person has a lot of. Be- Built up feelings and frustrations and whatever, and then just calls it, and the other person is left kind of reeling. And it's funny. Like I interviewed a couple of women for the book, um, who talk about that experience and how painful it was for them, and there was no closure on it. And Mm -hmm. so, like all these years later, um, you know, when talking about it, talking about it was almost like a fresh wound. Mm -hmm. Um, So. How to break up with a friend. Well, you know, the book is called that, and there's actually only one chapter on that. There are nine chapters on the importance of friendship and how to do it better. But that, it, but this is a very important chapter, right? And the first thing you need to really assess is, is this about breaking up, right? Mm-hmm. And Or can the relationship be saved? Do you want it to be saved? Do you have room for it? Is it irreparably broken? Or is it... You know, something that is fixable. If you have ascertained that this is just not something you want anymore for whatever reason, then the first thing to do is really to imagine your life without this person, right? Because we also, even if we, you know, break up with somebody or ghost them, there is a grieving process that we just often don't really pay attention to. So, really kind of envisioning your world without this person. You know, on the day to day is important, so that you can help kind of ease yourself into it. Because whether we know it or not, there is that there is a psychological loss, even mm-hmm. if you're the one that's breaking up. Right, as you said, I think did you did you end up breaking up with these two people, I, I think, or was it mutual?
1: I think I was broken up with. One of them was kind okay. of like a more mutual. The other one was okay they broke up with me in like a ghosting way, but I never reached out. So like it was almost mutual, but I don't feel like I did the breaking up.
0: Okay. Okay. Right. So, I mean, you can see how complex it can get. It's so complex. (laughs) Scenarios. So if you're talking about actually breaking up with someone, then it is important to do that, you know, that work first Mm -hmm. of just really understanding, okay, what am I doing here? And not, you don't ever want to be reactive, right? So even if you're breaking up with somebody, it, you need to take time to think about it, metabolize it, and then do it. And then, look, I workshop different scenarios for how to break, you know, of course, it's not completely comprehensive because, you know, there's a myriad of reasons that you could yeah. end up wanting to not be part of the relationship. But I think I workshop you know, five or six different scenarios. And look, this, the, the best case scenario is that you are able to have a clear conversation either in person or on the phone with the person. But the goal is really for the information to be received by the other person. Mm. And so if the person, the other person is really reactive or really defensive, then in-person might not or on the phone might not be the best because they're not even going to hear what you're saying. They're just going to react, right? Yeah. So in that case, it's better to send maybe an email so that they can read it, sit with it. Even if they have big reactions, they can go back to it. Maybe calm down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So you kind of need to know the other person um, and how that information is going to be received the best for them. But the truth is that it's you know if if somebody's done if it's if it's a question of bad behavior, then it's it's good just to get out of it because you can't really support bad behavior. But a lot of times we just grown up, grown apart over time. Maybe there's been some minor resentments that have built up and. We get to a place where the relationship just isn't serving us anymore. And in those cases, it's really important, I think, to have closure and to actually end the relationship because inevitably you've had good memories, good times, foundational times with this person, Why, or otherwise, why were you friends with them to begin with? And what happens is instead of, if you don't have closure on the relationship or when you have closure on the relationship, you can still remember those relationships fondly. You can still take the lessons away that you learned together that, you know, and the nostalgia, right? All of the Mm -hmm. good things. But if you don't and you just let it, you're ghosting or you let it, you know, just kind of fade away. What happens is that that ends up being the driving memory you have. It's the irritation. It's the angst around, the kind of crumbling of the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to all of the good things, as I said, that inevitably were there at some point, otherwise, yeah. why were you we friends with them? So it leaves such a net negative in your mouth, and that's what we don't realize. And that's kind of why, going back to like productivity, right? We think that we're done with this by ghosting, but what happens is because there's no closure, we have this all kind of percolating in our subconscious, mm-hmm. and what that's doing. Just like when you leave your computer on overnight, it's draining the battery. It's not active. We're not using it, right? But when you wake up and the battery is down to 2%. So we have all of this kind of dead energy in our head that we don't have consciously and we think we're done with it, but you're really not. Yeah. When you, when you, um, And nothing was truer than when I was talking to these women that I was just um, mentioning who are very successful uh strong women with you know seemingly great lives that all of a sudden they were brought back like these things were yesterday that they'd been ghosted and they were talking with a, a pain and a realness so it's like if you'd ask them 10 minutes before about so-and-so whatever mm-hmm. the person they'd be like oh yeah no we used to be friends so if you talk about it all of a sudden it's like it just happened yeah and we think it's not there but it's absolutely there yeah and it's just like
1: literally experiencing that like Like at present time, like I I will say like, oh, I'm over it. But the second someone asks me, because some people don't know who were, you know, people who are close to us know, but, you know, they'll say, oh, how so and so I'm instantly irritated because I'm instantly thinking about the lack of closure and how it ended. I'm not flooded with good memories, even though I had amazing memories with both of these people. Right, right. Exactly. When their names are brought up, it's the that my instant Reaction is irritation because of the lack of closure.
0: Right, exactly. And so it, that's why it's so important to be able to have closure, mm-hmm. even though it takes, you know, it takes effort. It's kind of scary. It's a, a big place of vulnerability, yeah. but it's also self preserving.
1: I did read this part in the chapter that to start viewing the end as a relationship that has run its course, not one that has been an object of failure
0: right exactly that's the other thing we have to as we grow and evolve as people not everybody is going to go on our same path and that's not because they're going on a worse path it's just a different path and that's okay and so we need to stop like thinking of these these ends like somehow you you fail mm-hmm. right life just can run its course and that's okay so that's even more in my opinion like where you want to have kind of some kind of clarity on it at least so that then you can respect it as opposed to like just getting frustrated Mm -hmm. or you know tarnishing what you had
1: yeah because because I think at the end of the day it's it's hurting you more to not have the closure and to think of it as this like objective failure instead of right this relationship was amazing for the season that it was and it's no longer there and that's a beautiful thing as well Okay, so wrapping it up, uh, I know we have a hard stop. What is your best advice for someone healing from a a friendship breakup? Short and sweet.
0: I think the first thing is to be kind to yourself, to Mm. not beat yourself up, to really feel the pain and understand that that person was important and this is a loss. And so to not run from it and kind of live in it, feel it without blame or judgment. And, And then once you're able, which... Um, you know, whatever time you need to take, you need to take to start learning to, what were the teachable moments? Mm-hmm. What? How did this go wrong? What could I have done better? How could I have shown up differently? What do I work on, need to work on in myself? Not blaming or self-criticizing, but... You to, to not experience this again or in this way,
1: mm-hmm. let
0: what are the lessons here, and without necessarily self-blame or blaming the other person, right? Just sit with the learnings mm-hmm. instead of leaning into the failings, lean into what can I learn. Um, but the first thing is to be kind to yourself and understand that because we don't talk about friendships in the way that we do talk about, you know, as we've said numerous times, romantic relationships where it's like you break up with your boyfriend and your friends are all like, Oh my God, tell me about it. And you feel free to cry and be upset or whatever. It might feel silly to do that around a friend. But as we've said time and again, over the course of the hour, these relationships are pungent. They are potent. They have the ability to do great good and also the ability to do great harm. And so, Mm. so, so let yourself feel that.
1: That is so beautiful. Thank you so much. I'm encouraged. I'm inspired. This may have given me maybe the, you know, little kick I need for, um, you know, my own my own heart I've gone through. So personally, I thank you. And I know this is going to resonate with so many of our listeners. So uh, I thank you so much. I'm excited to read your book and we will be linking it here for all the listeners in the description. Erin, again, thank you so much. I hope you have the best day. Thank you. You too.